Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. We're in a series titled Travelers. We're talking about people in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. And it's fitting because it tells the story of a relationship with God with human beings. Human beings are set on a path with God, traveling with Him. And we do this by His guise, because what they came to understand, in which many of us who follow after Him understand, is that He is the Creator. He is the one who has it all in His hands, and He will offer to a human being to follow after him and to trust him. And when that exchange takes place, that person becomes a traveler moving with God. We've been talking about Abraham and Sarah. What a great couple, right? They didn't have any kids. God named them, hey, you're going to have a lot of kids. I'm going to call you princess. And boom, they finally have a son of their own. Well, Isaac grows up, marries a gal by the name of Rebecca, and they have twins. And that's where we find ourselves today in Genesis chapter 28. We're not going to go there yet. But we find ourselves with a guy by the name of Jacob. And Jacob eventually will hold the namesake for a whole nation. Jacob and his 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel when his name is changed. But he's not somebody that was perfect. And from the outset, we understand more about the nature of Israel and their struggle with God. Because if you've read through the Old Testament, you understand that they would follow along, blow it. Follow along, serve other gods. Blow it, blow it. However, the person who has the namesake of that nation, of that people group, was somebody who at first started out with not such a great reputation. Even his name bears that out. His name means sneaky thief or deceiver. Now, when we look at his life today, what we hope to find is pictures. Uh, Those of you watching online are here that, you know, there's, it's so easy right now with this consensus of ideas because of social media. And I I say this because uh, these things are run off of algorithms. And they constantly are changing to fit each one's ideology. But people now accept things without much study, much preparation, or proof. And because of this, it seems that we're more susceptible to ideas that are not necessarily based in truth. That's why God has given us his word. Because we can hearken all the way back and read stories of people who lived without all of these distractions. They had the distractions of their day. But for us, it gives us a picture back to a time when people were available to listen to God 
and not every competing voice on the planet. And I would, I, I would just throw this out to anyone. If your life is filled with the idea that I don't need God, there is no such thing, and I, I don't, I, listen, I'm not going to subscribe to that. It's just, it's anti-science. It's anti-intellectualism. And it's just for narrow-minded, bigoted people who are now material, uh, um, well, I'll stop there. I will call this out every week as God gives me liberty. Open your mind. Open your mind. Not everything in the world spins around your brain. The world is not on its axis because of you. You do not have full understanding of all knowledge, neither do I. So why would you or I find ourselves in a position of closing ourselves up to the possibility of God, to the possibility that maybe the God that is revealed in Scripture was revealed for the whole world, for all humanity? You see, religion, by its distinction, can become a divisive point, a point where eventually comes to war and fighting and destruction and disunity. But God and His Word has never planned for that. He has planned to bring humankind under the moniker of His saving love. And if you but just open your mind to the possibilities you could find yourself on a journey traveling with God. Let's open up with this affirmation. All right? Say this with me. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I welcome all He has for me today. By His Word, He guides me. By His Spirit, He strengthens me. By His will, He's transforming me. I am His workmanship, His unique work of art. And may his will be done in me today, and I receive it by faith in All right, good job. Okay, who is Jacob? Jacob is the grandson of Abraham. Jacob is a twin. When he was born, it said that his brother Esau came out first. And they named him, because he was so red... They named him Harry. So Esau was the first Harry. Not the first, but one of many. That was his name. And they noticed when he was coming out that the, the, the younger brother, by seconds, by minutes, was holding on to his brother's heel. And so they gave him the name Heel Catcher, which meant deceiver. Now, I'm sure mom and dad didn't name him that because they thought, look at that deceiver. He's such a sinner. I'm sure that, oh, how cute. Look at our little heel catcher over here. What a deceiver. But anyway, his name really began to tell the story about his life. Because later on, his dad, Isaac, Abraham's son, the original son of promise, 
was about to die. He was getting very old. And so it was time for dad to give the blessing, okay? To bless him and to give the inheritance to the firstborn. Here was the way things worked. The firstborn, the oldest, would take the inheritance and assume the position of the father within the family. All of everything had to go through the son who had the birthright, okay? That's how it worked. So, here's what happened. (sighs) Jacob was known as someone who spent time around the tents. And I don't know exactly what that means, but uh, it, it was in contradistinction to his brother, Harry, who went out to the fields, who went hunting, and was a great hunter. He was one of those guys. When he came home, it was more of a... Jacob was more like, would you wash your hands before you come to the table? So, here's what happens. Jacob says, listen, my dad's about to die. My mom came to me. And so, before all this happens, I'm going to get my brother. His brother comes in and said, oh, man, you're cooking up some of those baked beans. You know I like those things. Give me some of that red. And so, he said, sell me your birthright. You give me your birthright, I'll give you some beans. And Esau, being a very practical man and not very spiritual, he didn't fully accept the ramifications of what he was doing. And he said, listen, if I die here and starve to death, what good is my birthright? And so he did. And he verbally turned it over to his brother. Well, one day, Jacob's mom came to him and said, listen, your dad's about to die. We need to do something. So she sent her son out to go hunt Esau, Harry. And she was alone at the house with Jacob. And she said, listen, you need to get your father's blessing. And so he said, he'll know it's, it's not Esau. He knows it. it's, it's not him. He, and his eyesight was bad. And, but she said, let's put some sheepskin on your arms. Let me give you some of Esau's clothes. It has his unique B.O. or whatever you want to call it so that dad would know. And he's like, I don't want to do this. She said, do it. You have to do this. And so what happens is he goes into his father, tricks him, and his dad blesses him and gives him everything. Later, his brother comes back and finds out what he did, and he's like, I'm going to get that guy. As soon as my dad has died and people have stopped mourning, (laughs) I'm going to get the heel catcher. I'm going to get that guy. Imagine creating such a tear within your family's fabric. Imagine that. Doing that. That is so underhanded. That is so dirty. And we could ask, well, why would God bless something like that? And the question, I have no idea. But there's a clue. Because when the two babies, the twins, were in the mother's womb, Rebecca, she had been given a prophecy from God that these two in your womb will be two great nations and the older will serve the younger this was God's plan well why wouldn't God use a stand-up guy like Harry he's a good guy he was the guy that his dad had chosen because God 
we find out in the New Testament, has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. God chooses believers. He calls upon them. Why? Because they're the best people, the most wonderful people. No, because there is a recognition that within that person there is a desire for God and to know Him. He first chose us. All right, this has all happened, but now, now, we get down to the text. Look at verse 1 of chapter 28, getting out of town. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him. Then he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Paran Aram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. Go marry a cousin. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you are now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob on his way, and he went to Paran Aram, and to Laban's son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, who was the mother of Jacob and Esau. Now, this is what God does. Isaac knows full well that he has been given a blessing by God. That he is in the line of his father Abraham, who God gave this blessing to, that you will have as many people as the stars in the heaven will be your descendants, the, the, the sand on the shore, and nations will call your name great. And we know as a historical fact, that is exactly what has happened. Because from Abraham, from this people group, eventually known as Israel, came a Messiah who took the gospel of God's grace and love to the whole world, so much so that it has encompassed the globe and affected people so far removed from time, culture, and geography from this place and language. That is a true promise of God. Now, how do we make that happen? Well, there's no such thing as God, so therefore it must be wish fulfillment, and all of these people got together as a conspiracy, and we wish fulfilled it all the way into today. That sounds more like a miracle than actually just believing that God will do what he said he does. And I'm telling you, my friends, what he says he'll do. I'm telling you, my friends, that's the big issue. It's facing us today. I'm going to fill my life with social issues. I've got to fill my life with something. And I'm telling you, my friends, God wants to fill your life with meaning. God wants to fill your life with hope and joy and a journey. But it seems like mankind continually turns to violence, deception, and mayhem. All right, 
Little backstory here. This gives us a little indicator as to why mom got a, became a part of the deception. Look at verse 6. Now Esau learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him to Paran Aram. That's up to Haran where the family was from. That is a 450-mile trip to the northeast. <clears throat> and that when he blessed him, he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. And Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and gone to Paran Aram. Well, Esau <laughs> had married two Canaanite women. They were Hittites. And earlier in chapter 27, his mom could not stand him. Rebecca was like, if tell, listen, Isaac, tell Jacob not to marry a Canaanite woman. If he does, I don't know what will happen to me. It's like these gals are driving me crazy. You see, there was a recognition that, that there had to be a type of, of continuity within a bloodline. Because this would be a unique bloodline of promise. And Israel would face this as a nation throughout their history. Uh, here are wives and husbands from other cultures, other gods. And what ended up happening usually always is that they would turn away from the true and living God and leave blessing and become cursed in the process. And there would have to be a correction in the travel book. That, that was just the way things work. And so she says, whatever you do, don't let him marry him. So what does Esau do? He's like, oh, I kind of blew it with my mom. He goes on here to say that he goes off and marries, okay, some of the daughters of Ishmael. Remember that? His dad's brother married to another woman. I mean, came from another woman. He goes off thinking that that will appease his mom. You see, he wasn't really spiritually awoken yet. He was a man of the world. But his mom had a lot to do with that deception. And God even used her. All right. He takes off. All right. And we find him at a place that eventually is named Luz now. What a great name. Where are you going? Luz. Why did you name it that place? Well, it just seemed good at the time. But eventually it will change. So he takes off not too far, a little less than a day's journey from his home, and he finds a place to lay down. Look at verse 1. Oh, wait, excuse me. I got the wrong. Verse 10, sorry. So, Jacob left Beersheba and set out to Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching the heaven and the angel of God were ascending and descending on it. You say, God doesn't really speak to me in dreams or visions. How many of you have that happened to you? You believe that God spoke to you in a dream or a vision? Anybody. It's not a bad thing. 
but it's not as common as it, it seems to be in Scripture. But think about it. They had very few distractions. Within their culture, it was primarily an oral culture where they would speak and tell stories of different lands, and they would pass on information that way. But also, dreams became very important, especially those that were connected to God. And there was something that let him know that this was a vision from God, not something of his own imagination. And that kind of uh, decision can be discerned by people who are listening. What happens? He saw a stair, uh, a, not a stairway, but a ladder, and angels ascending and descending from that spot. Verse 13. There above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and I will give your descendants the land in which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. There was a promise given to Abraham. That was passed on to Isaac. Now, Isaac passed it on to his son, but the same God who made the promise to Abraham would make it directly to Jacob as well. But isn't his name Deceiver? Isn't he sort of a sneaky thief? Yes, he is. God will change those he chooses. Know that. It's okay if you're kind of rough around the edges right now. God can use you. God will take folks like me, like you, like Jacob, and say, I'm going to do something great with you. I'm going to make you a great nation. Now, think about your relationship with God. Would God ever do anything great with you? Well, of course not. Anybody who knows you knows that he wouldn't do that. Just ask your wife, ask your husband, ask your kids. But that's not the case, really, is it? God will take someone who will believe him at his word and do great things. The Lord stood at the top and he said, I am this God. What was happening is Jacob had been a recipient of the promise through his dad, through his granddad. But there's an old statement that God personally has no grandchildren. You and I may have grandchildren. We may pass on our faith. We may pass on the heritage that we have. But until that person has a real connection and revelation with God, that person is not fully vested or connected to God. Just because your mom and dad go to church, just because you grew up in church, doesn't mean anything unless there is a real connection with the living God. That's a signature. That's what lets a person go the rest of their life saying, I had an experience with God, and God saved me and blessed me, and I know that, and I cannot deny it. 
And this was that moment for Jacob. This is a game changer. Game changer. Because everyone needs to meet God for themselves. Verse 16. When Jacob woke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took up stones he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it, anointing it, cleansing it as holy. He put, he called the place Bethel. I had a friend on the phone today and I was, or this week and I was talking to him about the passage. And my friend, I, I said, yeah, we're going to be talking about Jacob and Bethel. And he said, don't sound like a hick. It's not Bethel. It's Bethel. So in his honor, I'm saying Bethel. But the rest of us can say Bethel whenever we want to. <laughs> Which means Bethel means the house of God. The house of God. Okay. Verse 20, then Jacob had a change. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Now, at first glance, it sounds like he's bargaining with God, right? <clears throat> well, I'll follow you if you, you know, pay my way, get me some clothes, take care of me, prosper me, and then bring me back. And if you do that, I'll give you the, a tenth of what I make. What's interesting about that is God is not shaken, by that. God is not shaken by someone asking to prove that he will do what he says. God had reiterated the blessing that he would give him. And so Jacob, in other words, says, just to be sure, you do these things and I'm going to follow you. In, in essence, I know that I'm not crazy. I know that you're trustworthy and I know that you are capable. That's, that's the big issue here. So what does he do? He says, he says, then the Lord will be my God. You see, there's a, there's a shift and a change there. Oftentimes we talk about people coming to Christ, people becoming born again. And I've heard a lot of <laughs> uh, controversy about the term born again. You born againers. You're always bugging people. Well, that's what born-againers do. But it, it comes from Jesus. He said, you know, the only way to have eternal life is to be born again. You must be born again. Born of earth, fine. Born a son of promise, fine. But it wasn't until he met the true and living God that everything clicked and changed and he went on his mission. He could have left, ran away from his brother, hidden away, and that would be the end of it. 
But he had planned from that point on of fulfilling God's calling for his family and for himself. You see, that, that's the powerful piece of all of this, is that he was not just a person who would sit on the sidelines and say, well, great, sounds good, but I'm just going to leave. No, this promise from God set him on a traveling experience that would take him 450 miles. When he gets there, <clears throat> he finds a beautiful gal that he wants to marry. And so he talks to the, his, his uh, uncle, and he says, okay, you can marry her. You have to work for me for seven years. Works for seven years. His father-in-law-to-be was more of a trickster than him because he sends the older daughter who said her eyes were kind of weak. I don't know if she was like this or I don't know what was going on. But he found out, you deceived me. You made me marry your older daughter. He said, well, we have a tradition. I forgot to mention to you that. I didn't mention it to you. That the older daughter has to be married first. So you can marry my younger daughter too, but you'll have to work for me another seven years. This guy worked 14 years. Eventually, God blessed him and he left. Eventually, he reconciled with his brother. His brother hugged him and loved him. Eventually, he would return to Bethel, the house of God, and it would become known as a place of worship of God throughout the land. And he would return to the land that God had promised, but he wouldn't fully receive it. During that time, he would have 12 different sons, and eventually they would be known as the 12 tribes of Israel. And through the brother Joseph would go into Egypt and be slaves there and grow as a nation for over 430 years. This didn't happen overnight. God, I thought you promised me you would do something for me. You got 14 years. You got 430. It doesn't mean that God is late. It doesn't mean that he's a liar. It means that you and I don't have the perspective that he has. Therefore, he calls us to faith and to trust him. Well, I can't trust God anymore. He doesn't. Do Listen, that, don't get ripped off. God is not a liar. Our circumstances oftentimes will call that fact into account. Was I hearing God right? Is this all just a mystery? Did I get it wrong? No. These are historical figures that their lives have played out into the very lives that we are living today. And if you don't think that God is real and God can perform his promises, you, we need to go back and study the records. So what happens to us today? There's a story that took place early in the ministry of Jesus. He was choosing his 12 disciples. And we find out that in this process, 
that Jesus himself is a house. There was a guy by the name of Philip who had started following Jesus. He told his friend Nathaniel about him. And he told him that he came from Nazareth. And in John chapter 1, verse 46, he starts out by saying, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? It's like saying, you know, Berlin, really? He's from Las Lunas? Bernalillo, really? Is anything, whoever came out of that town? Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked him. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Wow. What would cause such a skeptic to immediately change their mind and to call him the Son of God? What would it be? Well, Nathanael recognized that Jesus had seen from afar off, apart from any uh, visual, that was obstructed by space. However, Jesus saw him and he knew that he was sitting under a fig tree. Part of the, the idea of someone who went to sit under a fig tree was to sit and to meditate. And that means that he understood what Nathaniel was meditating about. And he answered his prayer immediately. Now notice what Jesus says. You believe because you, I said I saw you under the fig tree? This is pretty humorous. You will see greater things than that. Greater things than that. Then he added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Son of Man is a term that he used for himself, I believe, over 80 times. It harkens back to the book of Daniel. He said, you'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. This was the designation of the Messiah. And Jesus himself says, that he is the house of God. Jacob saw an angels ascending and descending from heaven on this ladder. And he says to Nathaniel, you're going to see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's what you're going to see. Because... The house of God, Bethel, had become a place of promise to someone who a whole nation would be named after him. But out of that people group would come the Mashiach, the Messiah. And that's for the whole world. And Jesus becomes that house, the gateway in between heaven and earth. You see, in the beginning, heaven and earth were together. That's what we find. God dwelling with humanity. And now it is happening again. 
Because the greatest desire of humanity, whether we have lost this aspect or not, the greatest need is to be connected to God. You see a lot of the troubles in the world right now. I would say much of this has come from our substituting ourselves and everything around us, every distraction, every false idol, every person that is lifted up, this world is jacked up because of sin and the blindness of our hearts to reject God. To reject the one who created everything. You see, this is cloaked in mystery that should move life forward. Things like this astound me. Jesus becomes that house. The intersection between heaven and earth is found in a person. Jesus can tell you great things that happened in your life. He knows you from beginning to the end. But he said, you're going to see greater things than that. Do you want to see greater things in this world? Or do you want things to just be status quo? Do you want them to be in your own making, in your own mind? Is that really going to satisfy you or anyone else? No. I want to be with God. I want to know Him. I want to be in His house. I want that to be a part of my story. That's That's who I'm connected to. God will outlast every fleeting fashion, idea, cultural landmark that is placed. All of it. The question is, is your mind open? And for those of you who are Christ followers today, is your mind open to God doing greater things in a time of turmoil than you could imagine or hope for? He looked at you and he says, hey, man, you need to follow me. And you you started following and you you believed in him and there was a change. But he says, you know what? You're going to see greater things than this. Do you want to see greater things? Do you want to see powerful things on the earth? Do you want to see God's hands moving powerfully, strategically? He does it in these times. We have to recognize who he is and run into him and travel with him and receive the promises from him. Some may be watching and saying, well, it sounds pretty exclusive. Well, it's not. Whosoever will come, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And whoso, any of you who are willing to open up your mind to see the status quo for what it's worth, for what it lacks, 
and head toward Bethel, the place where we see the origins of all things, the creator of all things, as he reveals to us his life, his mission in this world by his son Jesus. You can call upon Jesus today, ask him forgiveness of your sins, and he will hear you. You can begin to follow him today. Sure, the Super Bowl's fun. Tom Brady is in line to be the GOAT, the greatest of all time. But it'll be here today and gone tomorrow, and none one, no one will say this is the house of God. We should be looking for that house. We should be living in that house. We should be moving in that house. Because, my friends, now is not the time to sit back and be comfortable. Those days are over with. And history will prove that out. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you that, Lord, you, you're so compassionate and willing to condescend to us and to be with us. Thank you for calling us to blessing. Lord, we pray that in you, that your house would be among us, that we would be in your house, living with you, living in your light, connected, Lord, to the source of every good thing. And may we spread your good news. Lord, those who are, who are hungry, who are stagnant, who are just stuck on the side of the road and need a new journey. And I pray that you would call us. Call them. Call them, Lord. You who are listening, don't deny his words. May you give dreams, Lord. May people see you. We'll open up the heavens in a world of insight and life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand? This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.